Hello everyone, Dr. Dan Plews here on The Greg Bennett Show, and do you have any questions? Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show, presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and I have just finished a wonderful conversation with the new world champion coach, Dr. Dan Plews. He's been on the show several times and I've always loved our conversations, but this one, three days after his athlete, Chelsea Sodaro, just won the Kona Ironman World Championships in an 8.33 in her debut at Kona Ironman was absolutely outstanding. You'll hear his, uh, the way he talks in this episode. He's just still on cloud nine and I really wanted to get to him as quick as I could to just really talk about how in the world did they do what they did. Um, they've been working together for just over 18 months. During that time, Chelsea has also had a baby and has been a mother. So it's been a lot to take on, but together they just did absolutely incredible work. Throughout the show, we kind of look at how they met and how they managed sort of... Uh, being a mom and the pregnancy side of things. And then we talk about the training prep and the nutrition and and heat adaptions and everything that they did leading into Kona. Um, And then the mental and emotional prep and and how did Dan get Chelsea so ready for the race. So really is just a wonderful conversation, this one. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. A little bit of housekeeping before we go on. I just want to thank you all so much for supporting the show, listening and sharing it and giving me your feedback. It means the world to me. Also a reminder to go check out Any Question. You can find Any Question, one word, on iOS or Android. Or you can go to anyquestion.com forward slash the blues. And you can go and ask Dan any questions there. He's waiting for him. He has the app. He's ready to answer your questions. So go ask Dan questions. He also has about 70 or 80 answers already there that you can go listen to. There's a whole, there's almost 500 plus experts across so many different channels now that you can go check out. But go check out Dan Plews and ask him some follow-up questions to this episode. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. All right. Today, I am joined by one of the greatest endurance coaches in the world. As a sports scientist specializing in the area of physiology, he's worked closely with athletes who have won more than 25 world and Olympic titles in the sports of rowing, kayaking, the America's Cup sailing, and triathlon. And as of three days ago, he has also coached the Kona Ironman World champion. He is seriously passionate about endurance sports, particularly the Ironman triathlon, where he's coached three athletes under the eight-hour barrier, and he just lives and breathes the sport, and he's a competitive Ironman himself. And in 2018, he broke the amateur course record at the Ironman New Zealand by almost 10 minutes with an eight-hour 35, and won the age group overall at the Kona Ironman World Championships. He's also one of the most requested guests on the show. He's appeared on the show three times already, uh, episode 50, 77, and more recently, January 17 of 2022. So be sure to go add those to your playlist. And if you haven't checked out his coaching business, please go check out Endura IQ. It's an absolute must. He's killing it over there. In this episode today, what I really want to do is just uncover just how did he prepare Chelsea Sodaro to win the Ironman World Championships. Mate, it's a huge privilege and honor to sit and chat so recently after the big win. So welcome, and thanks for joining me on The Greg Bennett Show. Dr. Dan Plews, how are you, mate? Yeah, really good, thanks. (laughs) 
And thanks for the, um, I always look forward to your introductions. It makes me, it was always difficult hearing them, but uh, no, they're very, as always, very flattering. And yeah, thank, thanks very much for having me back on so quick. Well, every, t- every time you come back on, you've gone and done something else. You've gone and, you know, last time it was like, oh yeah, Team New- NZ just won the America's Cup. This time it's like, oh, I'll go win Kona Ironman. Your athletes <laughs> are winning the Olympics in kayaking and rowing. And it's just, uh, mate, <laughs> the resume just keeps building. Soon it's going to be half the show yeah. just me reading out your intro. Yeah, sometimes you have to I have to pinch myself. Um, I mean, I'm I'm, ter- I'm actually turning forty in ten days' time. Well, happy birthday, you know, it's, uh, it's always nice to kind of reflect of what you've achieved in forty years of life, I guess. And um, this was this one was um, I have to say this is one of the I think this is one of the most of all the things I've, I've done in terms of sport at least. I think this is one of the the um, the biggest because oh, be, because it, because I'm just so passionate about. Ironman triathlon, right? And um, it's been my, my life since I was nine years. Well, triathlon's been my life since I was so young, you know? And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm still like um, pinching my, myself, to be honest. Uh, I, I, Chelsea messaged me yesterday and she said, can you can you believe it? And, like, and I said, no, I, I, I have this moment at the moment where I'll, I'll wake up first. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you... <laughs> You kind of think, was that real or was that not real? Was that a dream? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, it's quite a nice feeling. Then you you have you actually realise, oh no, it actually did happen. That's um, it's pretty cool. Oh, mate, well, I'm just so excited for you, you and and Chelsea, you both, and the the whole team. Huge congrats, massive congrats. It's just so impressive. And like I said in the intro, what I really want to do in this show is sort of dissect a little bit just the journey and the how you did it um does it make up before we go there does it you know it's been a bit of a rough year with one of your star athletes that you started working with Javier Gomez who was just on the show a couple of weeks ago and you know you and I often chat chat not just on the show and you know that was that was devastating when when Javier who was incredibly fit early in the year then got COVID and has had just so many things happen did this just help a little bit? Oh, I mean, that's the thing about sport. And I was talking to Kate, my, my wife, about it, is that this year has literally had the highest of highs and, and the lowest of lows. I was, when when Javi got COVID before, um, you know, just before the World Champs in Utah, I was, as you know, mm, I was mm. absolutely devastated, like totally, totally devastated. Because I think as a coach, you, you take it, almost as hard as the athlete does at the time, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, um, and, and he was in such good shape and, and it, I kid you not that if he had not got COVID and seen that race, it's all here. So I, I really think I'd be the coach of two world champions right now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think he would have won that race. He was, because I actually remember I messaged you, you did. Like before you and did. I was like, man, he is on fire. Like you said, you said you'd never seen, numbers that, that somebody had ever produced like yeah, he was producing. Yeah, exactly. I've never seen anything like it. So, but that's sport, right? Is that that's why we, we love it, right? Because it gives you those two, two emotions that is just the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it hadn't just stopped there because then obviously, you know, I had that period where, um, you know, having then got a, mm-hmm. a stress fracture, totally out of nowhere in a really weird place, you know, very, very unexplainable. And at the same time, I'd just gone to the Collins Cup with Chelsea and Pablo, mm-hmm. and both of them just had shocking races. So, you know, you just got to ride these things out, right? And um, and yeah, but to answer the, the first question, having this at the end of the year, 
is just amazing. It's just it kind of it kind of puts everything into perspective. And even I even like last week, I was a you know obviously I hold the age group course record. And sorry, I, I, I didn't even mention that. I didn't mention that in the intro. You actually hold the course record in Kona too, by the way. Sorry, go yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. Because but you know I was like oh you know I didn't, I didn't really want, you know I was thinking oh, I really don't want that to, to get beaten. And um, but then once Chelsea did what she did, I was beyond caring about that. You know, yeah, I just yeah. It just made everything fine. You know, um, um, so that was so that was good. But I thought it would have gone yesterday because it was obviously such a fast day. But at the same time, I think you know when your course records eight eight twenty four and you've got Gustav Eden doing seven forty, it puts it that into perspective that. Um, it's not probably that fast anyway. <laughs> Are you kidding It's going to go at some point, right? No <laughs> way, one's... mate. 8.24. It's... I only did the two Ironmans and I would have loved to have done an 8.24. I, I blew it a piece. 8.24, everybody listening is just going, really? In Kona, by the way. Like, it's yeah. that, that well, performance. When, when Gustav Eden is doing 7.40, I know. like the, the guy in, um, what's his, Max Newman, who was fourth. I know, it was 7.44. Seven minutes quicker than Fredino. Yeah. I mean, it was the fastest time Kinlay's done in his life, 7.55. Yeah. That many people just blew out the eight, you know, it was only three years ago we were talking about the eight-hour mark, eight-hour mark. Yeah. We had half the men's field just go, like, oh. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that was yeah. like the four-minute mile barrier. I guess everyone's going to just go do it now, huh? And I, I just, I'd love to, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, you know, like Thorsten Ratty usually does the mm-hmm. stats. I'm looking forward to seeing just if it was a really fast day or, or not, or it's just the standard of competition. But I can't believe that that many people have improved that much in the space of three years. Well, it's interesting. You know, somebody asked me that this morning and, um, and I started to really break it down and it was kind of, okay, I do think coaches like yourself, a real Dan Lorraine, you're taking sports science and the training and the recovery and the nutrition far beyond that, 10, 15 years ago, right? So there's a massive de- development in the science. Um, yeah. Then you look at, okay, yeah, the equipment, these, these bikes and positions, people are getting more aerodynamic and uh, and these running shoes, they're pretty great running shoes, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah they're definitely faster. And yeah. then we have noticed the conditions in October, we haven't had any of those brutal days we, we, in, in the last five years. Well, you know, we haven't yeah. had the race for a while, but we haven't had those smashing winds where you're not moving at all. And, yeah, and then yeah. suddenly you're going yeah. like 60 miles an hour. Like we haven't had those days um, for, for a while. So there's probably a bit of a combination of everything. Yeah, I think so. And I think I was thinking about this the other day, like, um, you know, if you look across the podium, you know, you've got basically the Norwegians. You've got, So basically... Dan Lorang and um, Olaf Blue, the mm-hmm. Norwegian coach, and, yep. you know, um, they they cleaned up pretty much four spots on the podium between them. So then there was me with Chelsea, and then I don't know who coaches Sam Laidlow, but he was impressive, very impressive. Now hang on, he's got a French flag next to his name, but is he British? Because I heard him speaking, he sound British. He, he, I think he he's, he lives in. In the UK, but um, oh, but he races for France. Yeah, okay. funny. I'll, get, I'll tell you a very funny story about Sam Laidlow, and this, this, I'm obviously massively kicking myself now. Is that I just last week? It was this week. I was just looking. I was trying to find someone's. Um, someone messaged me. I was trying to find them in Instagram because I needed to message them back for something. But anyway, I was looking. You know how you? I can't remember the name. Mm. <laughs> so I was looking through all my messages, and I saw a message in there from Sam Laidlow, and I'm like, obviously, I know who Sam Laidlow is now. And I was <laughs> you like, and me both, mate. 
yeah. And, but I, I knew before, I knew who he was before. I heard the name, course, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, when did Sam Labeler message me? So I, I looked at him and he, and he, in 2019, he messaged me asking for some support. And, and I, I don't know if I didn't see it or my, um, my admin team just br- breeze through. But anyway, basically he was pretty much ignored. Yeah. So unfortunately, so I was like, Oh, sorry, Sam. I, was in- yeah. <laughs> I actually messaged him before the race and I'm like, no, sorry. I didn't, I just seen this and I really didn't mean to. Ignore yeah. It was you. one I of those ones that got away from me. I actually yeah, think. I hope you weren't, um, hope you're not offended, but he goes, Oh yeah. It turns out that he actually did our, um, low carb, a low carb um, nutrition course back in 2019. Oh, did he really? Yeah, oh, yeah, well, there yeah, you go. Yeah. There you go. You did play your part. Yeah, well, <laughs> I asked. Uh, it depends how much he implemented. So, yeah. but um, yeah, that's a that was a funny story from um, from last week. And Mate, I think his performance. Weekend. His perform- I mean, there was so much. We were expecting, you know, Gustav and Christian to yeah. deliver. We, you know, it was kind of the way they've been rocking and rolling these last couple of years. We really were expecting it. But Sam, like, I mean, that 404 bike split to back it up. With the 244 marathon. I know. With his 4815 exactly. swim, by the way, you know, yeah. he's out. Was he out of the water first or second? He was right. He might yeah, have led the swim. Second, yeah. I mean, as everyone knows, like he did to, to be on your own on the front doing that kind of bike split. It's just awesome. Oh. I, I said, to, I was I was thinking he was never, I think we were going to be seeing like a three hour plus marathon. Uh, here's here's one for you. Here's one for you. I got a text from Simon Whitfield as we're watching it. You know, we're geeking out on it as two old boys loving the sport, right? And we're texting each other and he goes, uh, he got, Sam got off the bike. Oh, I'm going to, I shouldn't have mentioned Simon's name, but I, I will. And, and Simon's like, <laughs> could have out, could looks, like <laughs> looks like Sam's got a long walk in front of him. <laughs> and then he's gone and dropped the 244 marathon and both of us are like, yeah, I know. Okay. Well, there's going to be a bit of humble pie eating because, yes. um, because even, even the day before I saw an article in 220 and it was from, it was like an article interview with Jan Fredino and he was slating of, um, of Gustav Eden and it's basically saying he's the he's one of the the world challenges that no one remembers pretty much. Oh wow. So, oh yeah, that's it's it's quite a, I'll forward it to you after it was quite um ouch quite, yeah. Look, yeah. I think everybody pre-race is all trying to predict and predict and predict. I mean, I don't think yeah. if you'd said okay, then the top 10 men are all going under 8 hours, you'd be like yeah. nonsense. Yeah, exactly. I know, yeah. but I um I always predicted Gustav over um from yeah. just hearing, I mean, I hear and I've no, I don't know how reputable, but you know, just hearing a bit about the physiology and mm. values versus economy values, I always, I, I predicted that Gustav would be um, still close. You know, it was only three minutes at the end, you know. Yeah. I mean, and Christian still went, set the second fastest ever marathon, um, yeah. in a seven in a two thirty nine twenty. Um, it was just that Gustav ran a 236.14. Amazing. Um, with 411 bikes. Unbelievable. Anyway, I yeah. we've dissected the men. We're, geeking we're not here out. to talk about the we're, men. We're, we're, geeking <laughs> out. we're geeking out on the sport as a whole. It's been a fun few days. Um, you know, here we are. It's Sunday afternoon for me. I've just watched, you know, all day Thursday and all day Saturday over here watching the, the Ironman races. And we, you and I have been going backwards and forwards for the last couple of weeks going, yeah, let's have you on the show. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to talk about this time? What the, and then boom, I'm like, Chelsea wins. I'm like, we really have something awesome to talk about now. Um, yeah. So I really appreciate you coming on so quickly after the race. Um, what, what I thought I'd like to do is basically I want to start at the finish and then go all the way back to the start. So 
what I mean by that is I just really want to go towards the end of Chelsea's race and then go all the way back to when you guys first met. So let, let, let's talk about when did you feel that Chelsea Sodaro had won the Ironman World Championships? It was when uh, versus levels of confidence, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because when um, when she actually got off the bike, I said to my wife, I said, I did say, oh, I said, she's going to win this. And then Kate was like, don't say that. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> Shut up, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, because, because like we talked before the race and, you know, we've been through her pacing strategies and what I thought she should, you know, I gave her very specific 10K splits um, for each 10K, what Is she should right? aim at. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, you'll run between before I said, you know, you'll looking at you looking at the data, looking at your training, you'll run between 250 and 255. And lo and behold, she ran in 252. So I knew that when she got off the bike, uh, I knew that she would catch because I, you know, Danielle and Lucy weren't running faster than three hours. Right. And she was five minutes. So I thought she's going to, I thought she was going to, um, I was pretty confident that she would catch if she, if everything went to plan, but you never know because it's her only her second Ironman. So it's a, that last 10K, if the wheels really come off and, you know, you can get a lot of muscle damage or anything can go wrong. When you go, you go, right? And suddenly if you walk in the last 10K, yeah, it, doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter anymore. So, but I think I really, I knew she had it when she took that. I mean, I wasn't really getting excited until she took that right turn to run back down Polani. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, now we can... Now we can celebrate. Now we can relax. That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. And were you just sitting watching the race on Facebook all day? Or? No, well, I I don't really. Right? I, I, it's for the good of my mental health, I try not to watch. <laughs> so I, until it gets interesting, like yeah, I, I can, can't sit around all day. I'm just because I'm just too nervous about it. So I I basically I got up in the morning and I went swimming with this with my swim with my swim group and. Um, and then I kind of carried on with my business. I had to take my kids to, to look at a new daycare. And then I, um, well, by the time I got back, um, Kate was at home and she was getting pretty excited. So from that point on, it was just at the start of the marathon and Chelsea was in, had just run into third place. Wow. Um, and then, then I, then I watched it all. Yeah. Okay. So mate, like I said, I want to start at the very finish and then we're going to go back to the start. The finish. What was your reaction as she crossed the line? Yeah. Well, Kate, Kate told, um, Kate told Chelsea that she's, Chelsea's the second ever woman only to make me shed a tear, to be honest. <laughs> and awesome. the other person was my wife at the, at the wedding. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, very, very emotional. I mean, just yeah. so happy for it's so, so much, so much work has been put into it and mm. just to achieve such a, a dream for her. It's, um, yeah, I was just, I'm, I'm still on cloud nine about it. Uh, so yeah, it's, um, I mean, just such a big, a big, I mean, it's just such a massive thing. So mm-hmm. when I think that, you know, for you, there's been a bit of, you know, with what Javier Gomez this year and all the kind of like we talked about earlier, just the disappointments, the pressure that almost comes with that. And there's almost a relief valve that like, okay, we got one. You know, we, I, get yeah. to, I get to have a moment here. This is awesome. We've been working hard. The whole squad's working hard and we got to have this one. And, uh, yeah. you know, probably a little bit of relief. It's like, okay, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and these things, these things can often be life-changing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just, I mean, it just, I mean, it couldn't change. It'll definitely change Chelsea's life and it'll definitely, you know, I think it helps with so many things moving forward. One of the most exciting things is that now I think we have so much more opportunity to get even faster because we have more 
there's more opportunities for sponsorship and endorsements and we get to, you know, she'll hopefully get what she wants. And and that makes a massive difference as well. You know, success breeds success in that, in that particular instance. And hopefully, you know, we can spend more time together. We can do a few more training camps and all those things really help. Mm. Um, So it means that we can just get even better. And I think, and like I said to Chelsea, like she's 33 and, and I, I really think that's not the first one she will win. I'm sure she will win a few because she just has all the goods, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, it's just, I think the thing is now it's, uh, the, the big thing will be how she, she deals with going from being someone who wasn't even interviewed or in the pro panel before the start to now someone who's just, you know, world champion and watched a lot differently. Right. So exactly. it's a very different story, her, her, her relationship um, with the sport now. And I think it's been a bit overwhelming for her. And, um, you know, I actually put um, her in touch with Javi yesterday because I thought I said, you know, you need to speak to Javi because he knows how to deal with this kind of thing. You know, he's had, success at the highest level numerous times mm-hmm. and he's obviously doing very well in his career and I think he's a very good person for you to speak to and how to deal with everything that's going on for her at the moment which is a lot of people you know just media and being oh look I reached out to her there. I'm like get on my yeah. show what are you doing no I'm just kidding oh I did yeah, say yeah. do you want well, well done and let me know when you're ready to come on but by the way do you remember me about over a year ago you said Greg I'm coaching this young girl Chelsea Sodaro she's six weeks pregnant so it's more than a year ago it must be two years ago whatever it was um, you know you should have her on your show it could be an interesting story and then I uh, I was like okay okay and I met her in Boulder we had a lovely chat by the pool and I said you know I'd love to have you on the show but we just never do you know what I mean it never yes. kind of happened and that's my doing honestly that yes. blame me fully and and then she sort of did the Boulder 70.3 and came sixth and then she went to the Collins Cup and I think she came sixth there as well I think last year yeah, yeah and yeah. I was like oh she, she's getting it now you know and I I still didn't you know, I, obviously it would have been great now if I could have been sitting there going, oh, I, and I interviewed her last year, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now I have to wait my turn like everybody else. <laughs> I'm in the queue now. So when you speak to us, say, Greg's wanting to jump the queue. Yeah, yeah. I'll put in a good word for you. How's that? I <laughs> know. Oh, look, she's so she's so sweet. She came onto the Any Question platform, which I've been building with Ed Baker, who you, you were also coaching when Ed was really focused on the Ironman. And um and she's been fantastic on there. So I did get to meet her, you know, as, as she jumped on the platform as well and, and has answered yeah, lots of questions yeah, cool, there. So cool. it's been, been great. But, yeah, this, this idea of being an underdog, going in and racing and then coming in out with a target on your back, it is, it is an interesting – it's different now, you know. And yeah. the, the, the biggest difference will be the sponsorships that she signs and how much pressure she puts on herself – for those kind of dollar amounts. I mean, this is, this is kind of, I feel this is something that will have to be kind of, you know, when I think about the things that we want to build in the next year and things of like focal points, I think keeping her grounded yeah. and just true to her roots is going to be a real major one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to get the best out of her as an athlete and, um, yeah, protecting her as best. Well, and, you know, and best. next year's Kona Ironman world champs when, you know, every sponsor wants to sit or have a sit at a booth and do all of the, you know, meet everybody and do everything. And uh, that, that, that'll that be, an. that's where, you know, having a good team around is going to be very important as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But anyway. But well, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we exactly. come to it. Exactly. <laughs> They're actually all good things. It's like, yeah, you know what right. I mean? I think it's all, it's all positive that she can be that person. So let's do this. Let's, um, 
tell me, when did you guys um, first meet and what was that like? So we, we met um, about two years ago now. Basically, I was introduced for, for, through two, two channels. It, was, it happened almost at the same time. Why, um, so her, her manager, um, Evan Gallagher, who's also the right. manager of um, Love Lucy Charles. Yeah, and yeah. He, I, he's a friend of mine and we were friends. And we, when I lived in Singapore, I coached his wife and I coached him for a while. And Elvin was managing Chelsea. Chelsea wanted a new coach, and she and he introduced us basically. But then at the same time, Will Clark from the BMC team, mm. who's not in the BMC team anymore, he's also a good friend of mine. Chelsea was talking with Will, and Will also recommended me. So she got um, mm. two recommendations at the same time uh, from of me. Um, but I know that she interviewed a few other coaches at the same time. So she was just doing her due diligence as I think all athletes should is because it's a big mm-hmm. thing when you get into a coaching relationship. So she interviewed a few people. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't hear from her for a while because she was obviously doing her research. And then she, she messaged me, she called me and said, Oh, let's have a chat. So, um, she said, um, well, I, the good news is I'd really like you to coach me. Um, and I was like, great, that's great. And says, um, but also I have to tell you that I'm also six weeks pregnant. So, so, um, and I think at the time, I think she was surprised at my reaction because my reaction was like, oh, that's such great news. You know, congratulations. That's amazing because as a dad, you, you're a dad you yourself. It. You know, it's, it's the most yeah. amazing, special yeah. Yeah. thing possible. And I know that we, when you've asked me what my greatest achievement is, and it still is to this day, like kids are the, mm-hmm. my kids are the, my greatest achievement. And, um, so I was just nothing but like, that's awesome. He says, yeah, of course I'll still help you because I think that's where, um, as a coach, I always try and keep that perspective is that like winning's nice. Of course it's great, but that shouldn't be your driving purpose. The driving purpose. I always try to reflect on just helping people. And as long as that, the most important thing is that person is a, is a good person I like their attitude. I think they're, you know, I like their attitude towards life. I think they're decent human beings and, you know, they've got good spirit, they're, they're, they're kind and whatever. If, if those things are in place and then it's about helping that person through whatever they they have the situation is at the time. So it was never, it was never, and it surprised, I mean, she's in, I mean, surprised Chelsea to this day, but it was never even a second thought. I was never going to say, oh, well, then that's not going to work. You know, it wasn't because once you, once you like the person and you, and you have a good relationship with them, it becomes, that's the main thing. It's helping that person achieve what they want to achieve. Mm. And, um, it's funny. You, you, you've answered, I was going to ask you, you know, was there something special about her? And it's almost just her being a really good person. It's like, yeah. it jumps out at you, right? It's like, I just want to work with good people, right? Exactly. It's a relationship. And, and you know what? If I, if I look at even my age groupers that I coach and, you know, especially like Jan van Berkel, um, Yavi, as you, as you know, you know, Yavi, yeah. they're just such genuinely amazing people. Oh, the you best. Know, Those two are the best. Two of yeah, the best. They're, they're, yeah. they're absolutely awesome. Mm. So these are the most imp- important things. And when you have success, that's even better. But I think it's about um, supporting them in their journey and helping them get to where they want to get to. And, um, and that's why... I, when, I, when even if an age group athlete will want to be coached by me, I'll always interview them, you know, and of they course. interview me, of course, as well. But I'm not looking. I, I don't ask them. It's nothing to do with. Um, um, it's nothing to do with 
how good they are. It's more just seeing if I like, you know, if we get along and have similar values. And that's, that's important. Cause you know, if I had an age group athlete, it was like, Oh, you know, yeah, I've got a wife and two kids, but honestly, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to go. I don't care. I'm going away for eight months and I'm just going to be leaving them at home. And, and that doesn't matter, you know, then that would not be the, per- I would, I just simply wouldn't take them on, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. I think it's about, um, having similar values that makes things that makes things work. And like my age group athletes that I have now, they're, they're awesome. And they're always like, say, Oh no, don't worry, Dan, you know, I know you've got along with your family because they know what's important and they're exactly the same. You know, it's, um, when I think about all my age group athletes, it's, they're very much like that. So that's important. Well, any of these relationships that you're going to have, if you don't have people that have the similar kind of values, it's going to be a pretty tough relationship, isn't it? We, we talk about that a lot in the business, in the corporate world, you know, and yeah. our values and everything else. We're like, yeah, I want to have people that understand my values and I want to build a team that we have the right kind of people. Yeah. I'm still amazed she told you, you know, she was only six weeks. That's an early announcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess she had to tell me, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I don't think, I think I was one of only a few, very, a very select few people who, yeah. who knew, right? Oh, um, yeah. So yes, you didn't tell anyone. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was easy, easy, easy decision. And then, so you got, you said, yes, you'll work with her. And then had this been the first athlete you'd worked with that through pregnancy and, and through, you know, post postnatal and all of that? Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. The very first. So, I mean, I, as, as a result, I then, um, being a researcher, right. And I'm, I'm an academic by heart. I got very much into the literature and tried to mm-hmm. try to do a lot of understanding, try to do a lot of reading around the subjects and quickly found out that there's really nothing to know about it. Apart from, I mean, the, it's just such a, it, what I learned was it's just very, very, very individual. So it's about monitoring the individual and see how right. they're coping with various things. And um, so, so that was kind of the approach I took. I mean, I'd like to say, I would love to say that I had something systematic that the, the, after 12 weeks we did this after 18, you know, after the first trimester, the second trimester we did this, but honestly it was just through speaking. So many women have different um, experiences, right? Some people can't run within, you know, a few weeks and some are running right until the day they're pregnant. Yeah, and the hormones are all over the place for some and exactly. some just are quite cruisy and they don't have any problem. I know it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. great. So like, you know, some have really bad morning sickness, yeah. some don't have it at all. So mm-hmm. it was just about, it was just having very open channels of communication and, um, and adjusting the training and not, and not pushing, you know, I just said to her, like, we just have to, you just don't put any pressure on yourself to do anything. You know, I'll, I wrote her like a program for the, for the first part. And then, you know, as, as she got um, later into the stages of pregnancy, then, then we, you know, we obviously just went to cycling and um, cycling and swimming. And eventually she was just swimming and she was swimming pretty much up until the day mm-hmm. um, she gave birth. But, you know, the last bit, the last like bit, I was like, you know, now I think I'm just going to leave you to, do what you need to do like you know because i don't think i can i can't program anything anymore you just have to do what you feel like on a given day but just keep moving just Mm. keep doing something um because obviously it's better for your mental health as well to just keep doing something so um that was kind of the the approach approach we took but in the early days like you know the we had we did some pretty decent sessions and we even did like um we even got her into the lab when she was pregnant and got some values on her quite early on we didn't we didn't go to max obviously but um but you know we still managed to get those numbers to start with a bit of training so at least then i had an idea of what was going on in in terms of her physiology so so very early on that her running economy was um off the charts good 
mm. off the chart good. So, um, so that I kind of knew that she was built for doing well in Kona from that point on. Was it always Kona for you too? Like when you when she said, "Hey, Dan, will you coach me?" Was Kona the yeah, goal? I think it was. I think it was always Kona because um, we talked about it, and I have to say, it's it's quite. You know, I think I actually have a reasonable idea of the kind of the data and the numbers that you ca- you need to see to win the women's race in Kona. Because if you look at the time that I did in 2018, it was only three minutes quicker than Daniela. That's right. That's right. So it's, it's, it's I mean, it's as funny as it sounds, it's very true. And it was actually, it's actually been very helpful because, you know, I, I could predict her marathon time because I saw the data in the training. So I just use your data and swapped it straight over. Well, well yeah, I could, cause I knew what I ran. Yeah, I knew yeah. sessions I was doing and I knew what she was, I knew what she was doing, you know, that's and awesome. so she was just, things slightly less slight maybe a fraction slower than me and a lot of stuff and you know what's per kilo i kind of you know and then it was so it was it was quite um it was actually very handy i have to say yeah. i mean that, yeah and then, then she had the then she had little sky and then it was the um the build back yeah and that build back i mean it was pretty quick too i remember she was in boulder skyler was born in April or something? I can't remember now, 2021. But she was racing Ironman 70.3 Boulder. Yeah. What was that? Was that three months? Yeah, it was, about, it was three months, yeah. So so um, the first, I, think, I can't even remember how long it was. I think it was like six weeks. I think we took, she took six weeks off or, um, you know, like not really structured training after mm. after giving birth. With all these things, it's, I never like, Oh, you you should you should try and do the Collins Cup after you've given birth. You know, these are all her, these are all Chelsea's yeah, goals, right. right? And so I'm supporting her in the goals that she's decided to do. And obviously I'll tell if I think a, a goal's unrealistic, then of course I'll be like, Yeah, that's not very that's not ideal. But she wanted badly to go to the, the Collins Cup. It was the first time it was happening, it was big money, it was yes, blah blah exactly. blah. Yeah, yeah. So so the only way to get there was she needed to race boulder and i think it was get within x percentage of the winner and you know she we got her in reasonable shape and and it's funny now because you know before that race i'm thinking oh she's she's doing all right but then i look at what she was capable of doing then compared to what she's doing now and it's pretty much two different athletes you know yeah Um, yeah but she 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 was she was good enough to to then get to the collins cup um, yeah, and then she she qualified for the College Cup, and she had a very good race in College Cup. She did. Actually, I was calling you know, her. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, she literally was. You know, she was pumping breast. You know, pumping breast milk before the race, right? You know, yeah. Like literally just before the race. So this is the these are the kind of dedication and the crazy uh, crazy things that were going on at that point. And then we then she had a great race there, and it was a massive improvement from Boulder, and we were quite optimistic. So the next goal was um, Utah World Champs. So we started building up to that. And, um, you know, these are all very gradual progressions, right? Slowly building mm. the load. And we would often have to, you know, she was actually not coping a lot. I was looking at her HRV and um, talking with her a lot. And she wasn't really coping that much with the, the load all the time. So we'd, we'd often be doing two steps forward, one step back, mm. you know, because mm. we were having to just push it forward. It wasn't really working, bring it back a little bit, push it forward, bring it back a little bit. And then, um, but yeah, unfortunately between the, um, between the Collins cup and the world champ, she, she got a, a stress fracture in the end. It was just low energy availability from the, you know, just training and breastfeeding and, um, you know, having, knowing now that breastfeeding is obviously massively 
it's very draining on the energy system and the nutri- on your own nutrients, right? So um, that's we kind of know why that why that happens. And we really um, the, one of the big turning points in in how she responded to training um, was when she when she um, stopped breastfeeding. So it made a, made a massive difference. Massive well, it's difference. amazing how much more energy you probably have when you're not trying to keep another human being alive from your own body. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. I mean, it's like my wife, Laura, always says that. Just like, yeah, I'm keeping another human being alive through my yeah. own body. Yeah. So the energy yeah. you get when you actually stop, it feels fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah. okay, so she's gone through a stress fracture then, which has probably shaken her up a little bit because you're like, ah, just as I'm starting to get going again. I yeah. even think from conversations with her, her and her husband, they were, they moved from Boulder, was it to Reno, Nevada? Or, he, he's a fireman, yes. right? So yeah, he is, yeah. yeah. Is it a wilderness fireman? Like a, I believe of, so, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and so they were trying to figure out where to live and there was all of that going on in their life as well. I remember having a couple of conversations with her, so there was a lot on the plate and, you know, trying to make the dig to come back into the sport and all those big moves with a little one. But then look, 2022 started. The goal was still Ironman Hawaii. Did you ever have Ironman Utah? Oh, she hadn't qualified for that. For, for Chelsea, no, it was never on the cards, no, because she hadn't done an Ironman to that point, so she hadn't yeah. qualified. Um, so so we, um, yeah, we started the build, um, you know, and I think uh, Hamburg was going to be, uh, well, actually, we had a few... Early in the year, she did um, Oceanside. Yeah, um, she did Miami. Shocking races, shocking yeah, yeah, races. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and do you know what the reason was? It was um, swimming. Her swimming. So this is uh-huh. a great. This is actually a really good story because uh, before, but when she was doing, when she, we were both scratching our heads because she would be getting on the bike, and um, and I'll be, and she would just not have any power. And I'm looking. I'm saying, well. I'm like Chelsea. You did more than that in training, yeah. Like last week, like what? How come you're not holding that power? You, like you didn't. You've done it two times over, and you know. And it's just something wasn't adding up. And, and you know, we were kind of both scratching our heads. So, and then she went to Mallorca on a on a training camp, and it just so happened that at the same time. Um, in Mallorca was one of my, he's one of my best mates. He's my longest friend, friend I've known for. For, for what twenty plus years, Paul Newsom from um, who was a founder at Swim Smooth, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. he he happened to be there at the same time, and I'm like, hey Paul, when you're there and Chelsea's there, would you mind just taking a look at her swimming? And he's like, of course. He's like, yeah, yeah, no worries, sure, sure. So um, so he he took a look at her swimming, and he's and he's like, and he said, yeah, your your leg kick is way over the top because she she. Got in the head that she needed to do a, a like a longer stroke, um, less strokes per length. And Paul basically said, "Stop it! Go back to a two beat leg kick. Yeah, increase your arm turnover. Get to the cadence up, people. Get the cadence up. Eighty yeah. to ninety. Yeah. And yeah. lo and behold, that changed everything. So like we owe Paul Newsom. Thanks, Paul. You're big, the man. Big shout um, out, Paul. A big shout out to Paul Newsom. Yeah, yeah, you can check it out. It's just launched a new company, Swim Common, so everyone can check that out as well. It's um, awesome. it's pretty cool. He was a massive help because from that point on, she took her, her arm cadence up to eighty to ninety, back to a two beat leg kick, and it just saved her legs at the start of the bike. So um, Hamburg, different story because by that point we she led the swim out. Well, she won, she won the swim in Mallorca too, by the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. That was a quick so, turnaround. Um, she she won that by several minutes. Anyway, go on, Hamburg. Yeah. yeah, and then she then she actually had good legs when she started the bike, 
and that was um, that was a big turning point for us as well. And then things started to kind of roll because she had a lot of disappointment. And as you know, with athletes, it's all about building confidence. And yeah. I think um, you know, she had a very first Ironman Hamburg. We were very specific over what she had to do. Um, the training, I would say, was eighty percent there. We you know we missed a lot of sessions just because um, just because she wasn't quite. You know, I always say there's aspects in an, an athlete's life where you there's like you know the train to train and then there's a train to compete and at that point she was still very much in the train to train phase is that like she wasn't that the training that wasn't quite she couldn't quite handle the amount of training that i kind of wanted her to do so again it was kind of like we would plan a session we'd have to take you know she'd go "Mm, no we're not ready for that we'd take another few days off you know it wasn't we weren't quite getting to where we wanted to be but she still she but she still had a very good race in hamburg let's not skip over hamburg because it was firstly it was her ironman debut and she got second to Laura Phillip, who had one of the greatest performances of the year. I mean, it was, yeah. a, you know, Laura Phillip won it with an 8.18 um, yeah. and a 2.45 marathon to boot. And, and Chelsea, it was a strong field and she came in, came in second there with a consistent performance, but it showed that she could be there towards the front. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she didn't, exactly. She didn't yeah. drop the marathon that she, she probably wanted to with a three-hour flat, but still incredible Yeah, and I think, I think that installed a lot of confidence in... In, yeah. in the whole team really because especially on the bike because if you look at the actual bike like you know Chelsea at that point she wasn't really that confident in her cycling but you know, Laura got away from her at the start and then the gap stayed the same the whole way on the bike yeah she rode a 435 it's yeah. insanely yeah. fast like earlier in the year a big thing that we also changed was we did a lot of work in aerodynamics mm. massive, massive amounts and that also so between the start of the year and by the time we got to Hamburg if you look at the bike positions, it's two very different people. Mm-hmm. You know, we did wind tunnel testing. We did the whole shebang. We got a um, CDA down to an exceptionally low level. So that was also, you know, these things are so important. And they also, it's, like, it's all just meticulousness and leaving no stone unturned, right? Um, so so that was another thing that we did. And but yeah, so I think, you know, because she did that good bike split and then her run wasn't quite where she needed to be, I think we we both. I mean, everyone knows, and I, I said this to Chelsea before Edmonton. I'm like, Chelsea, no one's as good a runner as you. Like, your running pedigree is better than anyone's. Any any other female, like any, she's running fifteen ten for a five k. Wow, you know, most of so, the miles. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um, so I think we both knew that if we could get some consistent running in, that aspect would definitely get better, yeah. right? And the, yeah. the swim and the bike by that point were almost where they needed to be. So she's gone third at Mallorca, second at Ironman Hamburg, turns up to the Canadian, PTO Canadian Open in Edmonton with another tremendous podium performance there. So the confidence is starting to build, I imagine. Yeah. You know, yeah. at what point did you kind of say, okay, take a break and now let's we're all in for now she'd qualified by uh, coming second at Hamburg at what point was like okay it's all in for Ironman Hawaii the Kona world champs and this is the training prep or do you always yeah. Colin, Colin's cup still sort of on there as a oh we'd like to have a good one there no no Colin's cup was never on there we wanted to do well at Edmonton okay that was that was kind of on the cards to having a good race there yeah. Um, but Collins Cup, you know, we trained straight through it pretty much. Right, um, right. Yeah, right. She, did a, she did a three hour a three hour ride and a ninety minute run the week of, you know. So she was doing yeah, she was doing quite a lot in between. 
so so we we trained straight through that. But but that point, you know, it was eight weeks before Kona, and I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. this is crunch time, people. Like we can't be we can't be taking any rest right now. So we trained trained straight through. Um, after Collins Cup, she was a bit down after Collins Cup, and then um, she actually got a bit sick. Well, in fact, very sick, and um, and it was at the point where we we scheduled for her to go to Kona and do a bit of heat acclimation. So we got to Kona, and we were kind of still gradually building the training back up after being sick. Took the first weekend easy, but we managed, and I think this was a turning point that week. Um, even though Chelsea didn't think it was a good week and I had to kind of convince her it was a very good week. We did, she did a massive training block for two weeks, but very, and everything went perfectly. You know, she hit all the numbers. So what, how far out from Kona was that? Sorry. When you did that two week training block there? Five weeks. Okay. So you, you would go, you go to Kona for two weeks Mm. and then you go home three weeks out. Yeah, basically. And then we come and then come back again. Yeah. Yeah. She was in Nevada. Davis. Davis, California. And then yeah. so you would travel up from New Zealand and then you did the two-week training camp with her there. No, I wasn't there. I, this is all from... Um, so I was with oh. her in Ponte Vedra for a while right. before the Collins Cup. We were doing some training there. Okay, okay. Um, and I went to the Collins Cup with, with her, but when the part in Kona, she was um, yeah, she was all by herself. Okay. So yeah, she, well, she wasn't all by herself. She had a... Her dad was there supporting and she had um, an age group training partner. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, so that's an interesting way to do it. And is there... When you talk about heat adaption, because it's something we both are curious about what is the science behind that um and going because i mean is hawaii is hot yeah but, but coming from australia and noosa hot it, it it's uncomfortable but or i'm in south florida it's like hawaii is not hot compared to south florida yeah, yeah. but it's well, uncomfortable I, I, Part of me now, I'm sat here now and I'm like, do I really want to tell Greg all this? Okay, fair enough, fair enough. If you want to keep a few things <laughs> under your seat, mate, fair enough. I want, to, but. I want to keep a few because th- I think the formula that we used is a very, very good one and uh, and I, I think it's a big part. I'm always going to ask, you know that, so I'm, I'm happy, yeah, happy I know, for but you to avoid. I think what I will say is that, um, you know, when it comes to anything – Heat altitude training, the plastic, it was something called the plasticity of response. Mm-hmm. So, when the, over, the repeated exposure means you respond to that response more quickly. Yeah. So, you know, if you get like heat and then you get out of heat and then you go back into heat, you respond, your adaptation to the heat the second time is very quick. If, if you go to Kona or wherever you're p- planning to have your peak performance through the year, if you did somewhat of a camp, you went back and then you go to that place. Again, again, about you, ten days later, because I yeah. imagine there's a time frame you lose yeah. any adaption that you could have had. The specific things you can do within within the time that you're not in the heat, right? There's some passive heat stuff that you can. So, would, would you guys? Did you recommend like a steam room or sauna type treatment on top of all that? Exactly, we did some passive heat stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And those protocols are you training in it or is it just sitting in there and getting your body accustomed to it uh a bit of both yeah 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 mate i i i feel like i'm 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 trying to peel back some layers and i'm like hang on he's just one corner and i like maybe i'll keep it usually bit. i'm so open i know you are you give everything you give everything i know i know but i'm gonna keep asking because i know the listeners are like great keep going keep going but um when it came to to her nutrition um, you know, and you do look at everybody as an individual. We've had these conversations on the show and it's not black and white. And um, it, it was her makeup one that she performed 
in terms of mac- macronutrients, was she performing better with, you know, a higher sort of fat content diet or is she somebody who had to focus more on the carbs? Um, so the approach that we took with Chelsea is, um, I actually wrote a blog about it on Endure IQ, so you can check it out. Very and cool. it's what, it we, out. what we promote at um, Estrials, which is a nutrition company that I'm um, on the board with and a technical advisor, um, is this kind of right fuel, right time approach. So mm. it's not just a question of like throwing carbs at the athlete all the time or even like throwing no carbs at the athlete all the time. You know, I think when I first tested Chelsea, you, the data is I put the data in the wet, in the, um, on the blog so you can look at her fat oxidation carbohydrates versus fats wow. um, before and after the before and after the um, the right fuel right time approach so basically it's about restricting carbohydrates at certain sessions for certain like more of the low intensity sessions that would mean like you know i'd say okay night before no carbohydrates in the morning just fats and proteins and then you know the, at least the first half of the ride we're trying to um you know, not refrain, you know, no carbohydrates. So just more fat as a fuel to try and shift the fat metabolism. Mm. Um, but then when it came to the, the higher intensity sessions and obviously with them putting a bit more of the carbs back in. And I think, you know, she was a, a, on a macro level, she was a more of a moderate carbohydrate diet, you know, uh, mm. uh, she, I can't remember what we actually had. Um, we talked about it early on and I think it was like, you know, 50, 30, 20 or something like that 50 percent carb 20 you know 30 percent protein 20 percent fat or, some, or something like that i can't i can't remember don't call me on that i come up with, we, we 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 had consultations with a nutritionist as well so a good friend of mine mickey willardon who helped with that and we kind of came up with a bit of a, a macro plan that we felt was quite suited to chelsea but it certainly wasn't your typical athlete 90 percent carbs eight percent protein and two percent fat sort of thing. yeah yeah <laughs> So when she's in Kona in the heat adaption camp, do you do have one specific workout there where you go, right, we're going to race simulate, you know, especially the nutrition side of things? Yeah. 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 We did. We did do a little bit of race simulation. I mean, we did a lot of that before Hamburg. So we kind of, you know, you know, because we had to dial it in at that point there. So we, the nutrition plan didn't change from Hamburg to really even with the temperature difference. I mean, Hamburg ended up being pretty warm too, didn't it? Or yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't change. I mean, and I don't see why it would, unless you, unless you, in a colder climate, you, you're eating a lot more solids, then you might want to change it. But Chelsea wasn't having that many solids during the race, yeah. So we, we didn't really change it at all. And and her and her carbohydrate intake was very modest. It was um, around sixty grams per hour, mm. and which is way lower than what you hear yeah. that's promoted now is like, you know, 90s, even 120 grams. And it honestly, great. It's one of my biggest annoyances of the sport. Like it just really uh, upsets me because I just don't know how we have, we seem to almost get into this competition as to who can consume the most sugar during race day. Oh mate, I wish I'd met you before my Ironmans. I know I took myself out with overdoing all the sugars and bizarre. And I just don't get it. And even if you look at the research, like it's clear that like you cannot oxidize more than if you have a fructose glucose mix, you cannot oxidize more than 90 grams per, per hour. Okay. You can tolerate 120 but that doesn't mean it's doing anything. It's just sat in your gut. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I wrote another blog on this as well. So anyone who wants to go, and, I mean, there's loads of stuff on the Endure oh, IQ. Oh, mate, your Endure IQ is just, people are yeah, nuts if they're not there. It's like it's there. Yeah. 
so it just um so yeah and, and i really i think that's one of the biggest things is um is dialing in the nutrition and less is more i'm mm. very confident of that i mean you i always talk about both sides of the coin if you can use the right fuel right time approach to change your fat metabolism change it so you're you know literally if you look at the chart and um you know again go back you can see it on this blog when chelsea first started with me when we when she started cycling there was not one point in time when she was using more fats and carbohydrates not one point right but then we changed it to it happening much later on same you know like the crossover point was you know, past her about what she would hold for an Ironman, you know, and mm. that's what you want. That's exactly what you want. You don't want to be churning through carbs as soon as you start cycling. It's, I mean, it's not good for your performance and it's definitely not good for your health. If you're that metabolically inflexible, um, not good for your health. And I think, um, you know, that, that is another thing that, you know, that holistic approach is, it's not just about performance. It's about everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. What about, uh, you know, when we, talking about nutrition, when it comes to hydration, can you overdo water consumption? And I know we've, we've discussed, you know, salt and, you know, sodium and everything else on past episodes, but you know, what's your take on, cause I kind of see hydration and then overheating almost as two separate things. So what kind of protocols were you doing thinking about hydration? I mean, if you look at the hydration research, I mean, there's, there's some, two things that's called, was one is physiologically de- physiological dehydration and then voluntary dehydration. So physiological dehydration is like proper dehydration where you're very thirsty, your performance degrades. And then there's voluntary dehydration where you naturally have body weight losses over the course of a marathon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that like better marathon performances come when people lose weight over the course of a marathon. That's, you know, the more generally... So there's a strong relationship between the two. The people who lose the most weight during the marathon are the people who are running the best over the course of a marathon. And most athletes can easily cope with 3 to 4% body weight loss over the course of a marathon. But, how, but we also know that what's another really good predictor is being in a hydrated state at the start of the marathon. So, you, you know, if you what you have to achieve is you want to be as hydrated as possible and as fueled as possible at the start of a marathon to run a good marathon. Mm. So with with Chelsea, um, she's she's smaller. Um, we you know in a, in Hamburg, it's just like man, just drink to thirst. That's that in a cool climate. That's that will take care of itself. Like mm. it's totally fine. But when it gets really really hot, like in Kona, you have to start being a little bit more diligent with. Um, with what you're doing. And, and, um, I think a big mistake a lot of athletes make is they, what they do the pre post body weight stuff. Um, that's complete hogwash because it's not the limiting factor. The limiting factor of how much you can hydrate is your rate of gastric, gastric emptying. And we know that the rate of gastric emptying for most people is between one to 1.3 liters an hour. So if you're weighing yourself in Kona like conditions and you're losing two liters an hour, which many people do, and you start drinking two liters an hour, you're going to get very bloated. It's going to affect your absorption of all your nutrients. And then you're going to get a lot of gastrointestinal distress. Mm. So, so with Chelsea, we, I said, you know, just be mindful of your hydration, 750 to one liter an hour. Um, that would be enough for someone of her size, you know, within your gastric emptying rates. And that's, that's going to be perfect for you. So, you know, that's kind of the approach approach we took, but, you know, bigger athletes might want to push to 1.3 liters an hour in, in the heat. But, um, you know, just, just being on top of it is, 
is the best thing. But like going to, um, you know, doing the pre-post body weights is is a waste of time. And, and also like sweat rates change. So you, if you measured how much you were sweating in the first hour of the bike, it is not the same as how much you're sweating in the last hour of the bike. Generally sweat rates go down over time. So, you know, you you, if you think I need to do two, one or two liters an hour because of my body weight reductions, then you're going to be well over hydrating by the time you get onto the marathon, you wow. know, slosh your stomach, not absorbing your carbohydrates, start running. And I think everyone knows what the problem is going to be. Um, after that sounds all too familiar and I'm everyone listening has probably nodded in their head if they've had those feelings um what what about then you know that when you think about the the overheating um yes you can stay hydrated but is there anything that you're doing in terms of apart from doing the heat adaption camps and heat adaption in the saunas and everything else what about on race days or anything that you sort of advise in terms of trying to just try to stay cooler is there anything you did or advise athletes do i mean keeping cool is everything i mean heat acclimation is the main thing as, as you know but i mean one of the main things that chelsea did was she you know she walked through the aid stations because she was over she said she was feeling very hot and her face was quite red for, yeah yeah, yeah she really, it. it was hot right and she's yeah. running very quick yeah i mean if you look at what makes people hot when you exercise the main thing that makes people hot is metabolic heat production. Basically, if you're if you are someone who um, if has a high via, high via, again another blog about this on Enjoy IQ. I'll have to send you all the yeah, links. Send me them all. We'll put them in. We'll put them in. Yeah. If you're typical someone who has a who has a very high VO2 max and a poor running economy, your metabolic expenditure is very very high. So those people will generally get hotter. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So yeah. if you're if you've got a very good running economy, you're more efficient. You won't get as hot because the main driving factor, as I said, is metabolic, metabolic heat production, which is why when people overheat, the main thing that they do is they slow down to try and reduce metabolic heat production and therefore cool, cool the core and cool down overall. Mm. But there's obviously things that you, you can do, you know, like walking the A stations and using the ice to lower the skin temperature and lower the core temperature. And, um, these are all, these are all, um, little, things that you can do but them you know uh, they're they're kind of like band-aid approaches you know you you're just like trying to trying to stop stop it just getting too high before um but the main things is you know heat acclimation efficiency they're, they're the two key things really well okay well let's move on to mental and emotional prep you know you're someone like we talked to earlier that understands you know value systems and 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 that kind of thing were you assisting Chelsea in the way of talking things through? You know, obviously, even if you're an underdog, you still, the nerves hit you. And uh, what, what kind of things were you saying to Chelsea before the race? Yeah, so I mean, before Chelsea does a, an Ironman, we go into this habit now is that I write over a very long email. <laughs> you know, so basically we have like main themes. And for this race was like, it's one is, is the first theme was like, be patient. The next theme was conserve the energy. The next, the, the next theme was ask the right questions. Like, you know, is this, is what I'm doing now perfect affecting it positively the last hour of the race? You know, mm. these are the sort of things that I try and do. And then the other, the last one was like back the run because we knew she was running really well. So we always come up with these main themes that she has to focus on during the race. And I think if you're very process driven, um, you know, you've got a good plan in place. I said to her before, these are the main themes these are your powers. These are your, these, this is your hydration plan. This is your nutrition plan. This is how much you should be taking here. Concentrate on, you know, concentrate on this going up the hill. Remember that 
coming down the hills harder than going back down the coming down the hills harder than going up the hill. So don't think you're going to get to the top and it's going to be easy because it, it's not. You've got to push the mm-hmm. downs. You know, if you can break it all down and have have a good process in place, I think that calms the nerves to yeah. some extent. But of yeah. course, she was massively nervous, and there's nothing you can do about it. And yeah, that's part you know, of it. That's excitement. Laura always said, "Greg, it's not nerves; it's excitement." I was like, "That's exactly. one way you can turn." They were my very words to her before yeah. the race. Yeah. Well, I was. I said, um, "I said nerves just mean something exciting is about to happen." So yeah. just you know, um, embrace it. You know, we could talk for hours, honestly, and I'd be prying away trying to get more and more out of you, I'm sure. But honestly, I, uh, the way you guys have prepared the relationship that the two of you had, I've heard nothing but you talk about wonderful things. Every time we talk about Chelsea over this last sort of 18 months or more, you, you've always sung her praises and I could tell that you guys have a, a really great relationship and just to see this incredible moment, the celebration that I'm sure you, you're still in that moment uh, and Chelsea, I don't know when she's going to come down from cloud nine because that that's a huge moment. She had an incredible performance, 54 minute swim, 442 bike, 251 marathon um, for an 8.33 overall. Is that the second fastest time we've ever seen? I think it is the second fastest time, yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah, um, Daniela, I think she's 8.26. 8.26 uh, in 2019. And I think... Uh, and that marathon might be just shy of yeah um, two fifty. I think is the marathon I think record. Rini's still got yeah. that rec- that record yeah. for the marathon. But yeah, but so. honestly, across the board, an eight thirty three in Kona, in front of Lucy Charles Barclay, who's second again, fourth time I think she's had a, a second place there, and then Annie Hug, you know, who who won the race in twenty nineteen. That's right, twenty nineteen. So uh, look, it's just a. An absolutely phenomenal performance. So congrats to you, mate. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Um, I, um, um, I had a, a really, really splendid email from um, Coach Matt Dixon from Purple oh, yeah. Patch. And okay. he um, honestly kept on totally out of the blue. And, and he was, he said the nicest things. And one of the things he said to me that really rung home is like, you know, he said as a wily old coach who's not really coaching pros anymore my biggest advice to you is to just don't let this these moments pass because they you never know when they might come around again and um wise you know, words wise yeah, words, words. yeah he's a very he's a very wise man and he um I ha- I'm, I, and, and i'm really trying to you know heed those words and and do exactly that this at least Maybe this month. Maybe it can be October. Can be a month of celebration Mate, for the rest for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, this is huge. Yeah. The rest of your <laughs> life, this was a magical moment, and it's always going to be with you. Um, and you're not somebody that's just going to go. All right, next, let's get going. I think I think that's great that you just really celebrate. You enjoy it. Um, I hope you get together with with Chelsea at some point. You know, between now and the end of the year, maybe even to celebrate together. I think that would be wonderful. I'm going to try and see if I can get her over to New Zealand, eh? Yeah. Well, I mean, Reno is not a place you want to be in the winter training. <laughs> Have they opened up New Zealand yet or is it still closed down? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally open. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think you guys were ever going to open think, up. I think it's open to everyone now. Everyone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you sure? All right. Yeah. Like I said, Joe, I think we're both pretty excited because it opened up a lot of opportunities and, you know, now I've got – you know, I've got some great athletes and two massive superstars. You really <laughs> so I'm do. Gonna be, I'm going to be um, a busy man, and I think the bigger project is for next year is to get having on top of that podium. And I, I really think 
I really believe Javi. I said to him yesterday, I really think he's capable of an 835 I was going to ask you. I was going to ask oh, you. Sorry, did, a 235 marathon in Kona. 235. I, really oh, I, I have zero doubt. I, I, and I was going to say, like, had you spoken to Javier and did he feel like if I'm Javier and you're my coach and we've been working together almost a year, but my year's been a bit rocky because of just random things. But then I see you coach one of the other people in the squad to a world title. Did he feel a little like, okay, we're onto something here? What was his reaction? I did, I did, I did send him a message half jokingly. I said, I said, I said, hopefully, um, hopefully that gives you a bit of confidence that I know what I'm talking about. Just half jesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love it. And and he said, oh, he goes, he goes, I I always had confidence in you. He said, yeah. Yeah, of course. But uh, I'm sure it definitely helps, right? Of course it helps. And and I think, you know, it's it's a scary, I mean, when you you see times like we're going put down yesterday, it's it's scary, but I truly believe that Javi can run a 2.35 in Kona. I really think he, he can... You oh, can do that. So. Mate, I've trained with the guy. I've never seen anything quite like that guy. But, mate, it's um, been really great just to chat. And, hey, for everybody listening also, uh, yourself and Chelsea are both on any question. You've already answered yes. about 78 answers. So I want, I want listeners to do two things. One, go and check out Enduro IQ. Download every single one of the blogs. Sign up to all of your, your coaching courses because they're all phenomenal. It's crazy. If you're doing triathlon and you haven't gone to Endure IQ and downloaded all those courses, you are nuts. Um, <laughs> so go to Endure IQ. If you want short snippet responses from Dan, also come over and check out any question. Um, well, you've already got 78 answers there, but I'd love you to come over and even if, if people have follow-up questions and they're, they're quick for you to answer, just jump on. And most of the answers are around, the average answer is about a one minute long. Um, so people can go in there and digest some information that way as well. And Chelsea Sadara is also on there too. She has about 70 answers as well. She may not get back to you as quickly for this next little period as we talked about earlier. She's probably going to be a little busy these next few weeks, but she is on the platform and I will talk to her in the next few weeks. I will get her on this show and we're going to have a lovely conversation at some point. But mate, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on. No, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I'll, I'll have to, um, I haven't looked at any questions since um, since Chelsea's win. So maybe I've got a few questions waiting for me. I'll have to. Mate, um, you've got loads of questions. Even before Chelsea's win, people are excited. Yeah, I thought I answered them all. Well, it's like, well, maybe you have. I'm just giving you a hard yeah. time. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I said in the intro, you really are one of the most requested people I get. Um, no, well, the only you. other one that trumps you is um, everybody wants Lionel Sanders on the show. I've tried to get him on, everybody listening. I have tried. He said he would. It's just pinning him down hasn't been easy. But at some point, I will have him. He didn't have the greatest of days yesterday, Paul. No, he he didn't. Um, Look, I think there's a little bit the way that race was always going to play out. You know, you, mm. you got to get that swim up and get, and then his efficiency on top of it. There, there, there's a lot of things I look at Lionel and I'm like, ah, he got so much ability, but I just feel like mm. there's, there's more we can do. And I've talked to Jan Fredino about it. We're just like, yeah. Even Jan Fredino sent me a message on, on Instagram, a direct message after Chelsea's win. How good is that? Well, well, Jan is a big fan of yours, mate. He eats your... um your chocolate almond bar thing. What is it? What <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The slab. The slab. The, yeah, the yeah, slab. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, but it's always, I mean, that's one of the being, I mean, I can't imagine what Chelsea's going through, but like the amount of people 
who have just messaged me who I haven't heard from in a long time or, you know, people who you, who obviously, you know, Jan's pretty big time and, um, yeah, you know, for him to, 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 for him to just send me a personal message is, is amazing. You know and, what I love about that too, Dan? Because I know you're a bit of a triathlon groupie too, right? Like me, yeah, you, yeah. I'm a bit of a groupie too. I, I, I get yeah. a note from someone like Mark Allen or something like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Like yeah, yeah. we're both groupies. We're suckers for somebody just recognizing us that we think's awesome. It's kind of awesome. But. I know it is. It's a, it's a big talk. One of the things that, um, so Javi did, Javi was in Spain and um, he did a, he did like a sportif with Miguel Indurain and he got me a signed shirt from Miguel Indurain that says, Dan, I appreciate your passion in sport, yours, Miguel Indurain. And I was like, wow. Wow, mate. That's pretty big. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And you're also aging yourself. That's for everybody that doesn't know, Miguel Indurain was huge in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Tour de France. Knowing what we know now, he was was probably, he was in the, he was in the era, wasn't he? Oh, he was um, definitely the era, but um, he was definitely in the era, but still it's, um, yeah, I, I remember I used to have a big picture of him on my bedroom wall growing up, you know? Of course. So I, he, thought, the bedroom, was, I thought you had a picture of me on your bedroom wall. Oh, here well, we go. Oh, you, this time. You, you know what? You know what? That was that was when I was when I was very young, I was obsessed with <laughs> cycling, just cycling. And, I was yeah, just cycling. and then I wanted to get into triathlon. But when I got into triathlon, oh, all right, all you right. Were definitely my you were definitely my hero. You're, you're Still hilarious. the best race of all time is the um the Sydney Sydney um, Olympic qualification that you won. Oh Brilliant. yeah, yeah, that was ninety nine, mate. We are mm-hmm. right. happy birthday for you by by the way next week. Um, yeah, thanks, man. But, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. Big four yeah. zero. Here you Big go. 4-0. You're gonna have to get all mature and growing up. No, definitely not. No. My kids, my kids, <laughs> are pretty, my kids are pretty good at making me not not be that. I'm still. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm always told that I need to grow up. So that's that. perfect. As people keep telling me that, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> well, mate, really, really great to catch up. I'm sure we'll catch up even, you know, non-recording show. But I did want to record this one and just uh, hear your energy and feel your energy after such an amazing weekend. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing, you know, all of that. All that information has just been wonderful, mate. I really appreciate you. No worries, man. Well, until next time. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find all the show notes and timestamps and everything else at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.